0: hola y bienvenido a afternoonified el podcast que es muy delicioso yo soy emily y yo soy sarah uh, pl- please don't try to eat this podcast man look at how white we are now, there are white people that speak Spanish way better than me, do. Yeah, I was like, you can't even blame that, necessarily. It's just that we personally are... I took French, and then... I also took French. I'm also bad at pronouncing French. <laughs> yeah, so we don't speak Spanish, but I-, I knew enough to put that together. Hi, we're talking about tacos. And I bet you're thinking, Emily, you don't have an hour of material on tacos. And you're right. Which is why we're going to start with another thing. Which is why this will be a four-part podcast. <laughs> I have a hardcore history's amount of material <laughs> on tacos. So join you're gonna me. You're going to be like, uh, you're wrong about, which is they've been covering the OJ, OJ Simpson trial. Oh. And there's literally, they've done probably 15 episodes and they're not to the trial yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one's a... Anyway, the completely unrelated. So we're gonna start with my sources. Um there was a Smithsonian magazine article. Uh where did the taco come from? Uh some stuff from autostraddle.com. uh Taco Tuesday Thing Complete History of Tacos, an Uprocks article, um website What's dot net. That sounds like <laughs> a wild ride of a website. The Mayan Mexican website, the history of tortillas, some stuff from Science Direct, uh, and then an article on Thrillist, and Wikipedia. Oh, in my brain. And a lot of thanks to the Netflix series, The Taco Chronicles, life-changing documentary. There's an entire Netflix series about tacos? Oh, my God. It is. It's amazing. Um, So it's, I think... They've done 10 or 12 episodes. Got the word. And each one is about half an hour, and it's all done in Spanish and Espanol, if you will, which might be why I'm starting to get ads for Chick fil A in Espanol. <laughs> um, and in each one, they cover a type of taco and its history and like cooks and like street food around the region of Mexico where it's from um, and like how it's made. It's, it's so good. Like, it's so well-made and beautifully shot, and I learned a lot. That sounds fascinating. So, I check that out. It, it's very... It, it'll be a, a good expansion on this episode. So, as you know, there are very few food concepts that work better than a taco. <laughs> it's cheap, it's filling, it's fast, and nine times out of ten, they're fucking delicious. Also, cheese is usually involved, which is always a plus. Most of the time, for American tacos. Not as often in, uh, in real Mexican tacos. Can you hear that? Yes. I thought it was a dog howling. Is it, like, just sirens? Yeah, it's fire a fire truck. truck. All right. So, it's hard to argue that tacos aren't great when the people of Mexico eat an estimated 4.5 billion tacos every year. That tracks. And to... I mean, it's a big number, but... Especially with, like, authentic tacos, they're kind of small. You don't just have the one. You have, like, two or three. Yeah, you have, like, two or three. But to put that number in perspective, the population of Mexico is 127.6 million. It's a lot of tacos per person. It's a lot of tacos per person. And it feels like, in the last several years, the parts of the United States that aren't directly touching Mexico have been experiencing, like, a, a taco awakening. Right. Uh, Mostly meaning that we as people have grown more comfortable with a taco that isn't a crunchy shelled transport for pre-shredded cheese and iceberg lettuce. You know, the kind of thing that Taco Bell has been pushing since the 60s, which we will talk about later. That being said, I don't know if I'm at a point where I would order a taco in, like, Vermont, but, you know. (laughs) It depends. Yeah, I—I honestly, I definitely, the best tacos I've ever had were in Dallas. So, oh, definitely, the best taco I ever had was from a taco truck in a convenience store parking lot in East LA. Oh yeah, that's that's where you gotta go. Yeah, and I'm sure I've had tacos like when I've been to Tijuana, but I was a child, and honestly, I didn't start really appreciating Mexican food until like high school. If we want to fully grasp the the history of the taco, which is admittedly a lot shorter than you'd expect. Uh, We have to start with the origins of the tortilla, which is technically the constant factor in every taco configuration, as well as the heart of a ton of other Mexican dishes. It makes me think of, like, our pizza episode, where it's, you gotta start with the crust. Pizza and tacos have a lot more in common than, like, you would originally think. I like flatbreads, (laughs) I think is what (laughs) we're learning here. In the beginning, there was maize. (laughs) A lot of fucking maize. It's like the Taco Bible, according to Emily. Yes. Uh, Ancient Mesoamericans, and Mesoamerica is, um, I guess, part of the United States, uh, because we kind of took that away from the Mexicans, Mm. Um, down to, uh, I can't remember the exact country in um, South America, but that's Mesoamerica. The Middle America. Yeah. Central America, if you will. Um, so the ancient Mesoamericans took this abundance of maize, or corn, and did pretty much what every culture ever has done with their principal grain. They made a flatbread. And according to legend, tortillas were invented by a Mayan present for his king, but I cannot verify that story. And the first tortilla was probably made around 10,000 BCE, which predates the Mayan culture just by a couple of years yeah, I, I would imagine that is one of those things, like, like whiskey, there isn't, like, someone invented it. It was just... It was intuitive. It came into being. Yeah. yeah. In Aztec times, which is around 1300 to 1521, it's a very specific end date. <laughs> uh, two or three corn tortillas would be eaten with each meal, either plain or dipped in mole, which is a type of sauce, or salsa, or uh, chili pepper and water sauce. Which I'm sure was a lot better than it sounds. It makes me crave salsa, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Tortillas were also sold at Aztec marketplaces filled with turkey meat, turkey eggs, beans, honey, squash, prickly pears, chili peppers. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? I'm so hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I told you to prepare yourself for this episode, I had a whole euro. I was so full before I sat down to record, and now it's just like God. I could really go for a taco. Literally a taco. Yeah. Usually, I leave this wanting a quesadilla, but I've always been more of a quesadilla person. Um. All right, but we'll we'll get to where those why that sounds familiar in a little bit. Um. So first, we need to talk about how the Aztecs and other Mesoamerican cultures figured out a very cool science thing that made tortillas easier to make and also more nutritionally sound than just drying the maize and grinding it, which is what they did prior to this. So there's no precise date when the technology was developed, but the earliest uh, evidence of a process called nixtamalization was found in Guatemala's southern coast, with equipment dating from around 12,000 to 15,000 BCE. 15,000? 1,500. 1,200 to 1,500 BCE. Isn't it technically fifteen hundred to twelve hundred? Yeah, I'm realizing that now. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, it kills me every time. Too. Today, I learned that uh, Arizona doesn't observe daylight savings time. Oh no, they're heathens out there! I, I had a literal West Wing moment where it's like, can we have a civilization? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I won't, I'm not knock them for like not observing daylight savings time because it's, it's stupid, stupid. But just like, so you just. You were one hour behind us and now you're two hours behind us and I'm just supposed to remember this when I'm scheduling meetings with you. (laughs) Yeah, they're doing some weird shit down there. fucking Arizona. Anyway, continue. Anyway, so the process itself is when corn kernels are soaked and cooked in a heavy alkaline substance known today by Mexican cooks as cal or calcium hydroxide. But earlier peoples probably used wood ash which is a very very alkaline substance if you didn't know. Uh, The alkalinity helps the to dissolve the uh, hemicellulose, which is a major component of the maize cell walls, bet you weren't expecting science terms in the taco episode. So, it, the way you talked about baking does not surprise me. No. Uh, so it softens the cell walls and loosens the holes from the kernels and makes it squishy and wet. I guess because it kind of absorbs that water and sheds its holes, and it's really cool. Uh, so the Corn's uh, hemicellulose-bound niacin, which is a vitamin, is converted to free niacin, which is a form of vitamin B3, making it available for absorption into the body, which helps to prevent a scurvy-like disease called pellagra. Um, so pellagra is caused by a lack of niacin in your diet, and it can cause a whole host of gross shit, like inflamed skin, diarrhea, dementia, and sores in the mouth. Disgusting. Yeah, so by doing this process of deholing and basically changing the molecular structure of some of the components of the the maize um the mesoamericans made it so that they were getting more nutrients from the the corn than they would be just grinding it nice yeah so they have more a more complete grain as opposed to kind of just your basic like starch situation mm mm-hmm. so after the uh, nixtamalization process. The corn can be hold, and you have something called hominy, which you can actually buy canned in the store. I've heard of this before. Refresh my memory as to what hominy actually is. It's corn that's been uh, through the nixtamalization process and hold. So, oh, yeah, okay. it's like big squishy corn. So you can you can take it's used by itself in a couple of applications. I can't remember specific recipes or anything. But you take the hominy and grind it into a dough that's called masa. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, masa is literally just ground nixtamalized nixtamaliza- Corn that's been to the nixtamalization corn, process. Corn that's been scienced. Yes. Uh, you just grind that up and it forms a dough. You might cool. add a little water or salt or like something to spice it up. But there you go. Um, so, yeah, you have masa, which is the base not only for tortillas, but also tamales. Mm. So thanks, corn. You're welcome. Yeah. I was going to say, my dad farms corn, but I'm pretty sure they, like, I don't know, process it into cornstarch, probably. I doubt my dad's corn goes towards making tortillas. So, yeah, like, you have this whole process, and to create the the tortilla at that point, you just flatten out the masa and grill it, and then you have a tortilla. A corn tortilla. Delicious. There's actually a really cool quote from a a food historian named Jeffrey Pilcher, uh, where he's talking about, women's roles in the kitchen and making of tortillas. So, um, as he says, however, nutritionally sound, the recipe for tortillas required enormous physical labor from women. Arguably, they worked as hard grinding corn on the matete as did the men they fed who constructed the physical monuments of the Teotihuacan, the pyramids of the sun and moon. Hell yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, for reference, a matete is like a big, it looks like a stone ski slope. With, like, a matching stone rolling pin that they use to grind the corn. Yeah, it, It's an incredible amount of work. The Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortez, that guy. That bitch. Wrote a letter to King Charles V in 1520. Notice, one year, I believe, before the fall of the Aztec Empire... Weird, it's almost like that was... His fault? ...caused by colonialism. Anyway, so he wrote this letter in 1520, where he mentioned tortillas. In it, Cortez described the public markets as places where one could find, quote, all kinds of merchandise that the world affords, as, for instance, articles of food, unquote. Which is a weird way to say that, but... Whatever. Uh, Cortez went on to describe the main staple of the native diet, maize or Indian corn. Uh, in the grain and the form of bread. So they, you know, I guess they would have eaten something kind of like grits almost and then hmm. tortillas. So another 16th century Spaniard took note of the Aztec food staple. Bernardino de Sahuan, sure, uh, traveled to Central America in 1529 where he spent more than 50 years. Sahuan studied the nah- Nahutal the native language, and other Aztec cultural beliefs and traditions. He was a missionary priest and was primarily devoted to spreading Christianity in, quote, New Spain, and he wrote that the Aztecs didn't just use corn and tortillas, but also squash. They used squash and tortillas, not they used tortillas and squash. Oh, gotcha. Mmm, squash tortilla. Right? Uh, he even recorded some varieties of tortilla that incorporated turkey eggs and honey, because mm. chickens, not native to the United States. Really? I believe they were imported. Huh. We had turkeys. I, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Honestly, with, like, a lot of domesticated animals, it's hard to, like, picture them as wild. So it's kind of hard to, like, think of what was native to what. Yeah, we, had, wi- we had wild turkeys and uh, chickens and horses. No, not horses. Uh, chickens and goats came over to the United States. I, I actually have very little idea what we started out with originally. Yeah. So uh, Spaniards introduced wheat flour to Central America when they brought it over from Spain. And then flour was used to make tortillas. And even today, flour tortillas are considered unique to the Mexican highlands. So they're not technically traditional food that dates back forever and ever, but they are Mexican food. Mm-hmm. People in Central America did create them. And they are delicious. Yes. I say this with all due respect to a well-made corn tortilla. Fucking love flour tortillas. <laughs> so the Spanish are also the source of the word tortilla, which translates to little cake. Uh, it's not to be confused with the Spanish version of tortilla, which is more of a potato-based, like, egg situation. Interesting. Which I guess is also technically a little cake. You can't just take a word that you already use back home and, like, put it on something new. Like, it doesn't... I mean, you can if you're a colonial bastard and- It's just like, well, this is similar to our thing, so we're just going to call it that. It's worth noting that the Aztecs and other Nahuatl speakers called tortillas tlacoli, though. Yeah. That's how I'm going to pronounce that. This is another instance of I wrote it down and didn't think that I'd have to pronounce it, but here we are. It seems so easy when you're, like, just taking notes. You're like, yeah, I I mean, I don't... I don't stumble on it when I just read through it in my head. Exactly, so and then certainly then have, I'll be able to put it in my mouth, and then I have to say it with like my Pacific Northwest Scottish German tongue. Uh, so a very, very, very fun fact is when the Spanish conquerors brought corn back to Europe, they did not bring nixtamalization, meaning that the uh, civilizations that tried to make corn their main grain weren't getting sufficient amounts of niacin, and that. Well, you know what happens when you don't get enough niacin. Bad things. Inflamed skin. Mouth sores. All right. So that's the tortilla in a nutshell. In a tortilla shell. In a tortilla shell. Um, and as you've already picked up on, we did mention something in the Aztec culture that could be considered the precursor to the taco. I'll... All the stuff they put in the tortillas. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of a flatbread is to put things on it or in it. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like once you have the bread, it makes sense that you would want to then dress it up with stuff. Yeah. You use it as a carrier for stuff. So the, yeah. theoretically, it the- more of a vessel than. Yeah. Theoretically, the taco has existed for, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of years. Just like uh, chicken wings, our-, our buffalo wings exist to funnel blue cheese dressing. Into yeah. my mouth. I, I mean, I'm more of a fan of the sauces that they put on the actual wing. But, yes, it's a sauce conveyance <laughs> device. Man, now I want a good chicken wing. So the origin of Mexico's favorite food is, as you would expect if you've listened to this podcast before, hard to pin down. Probably because of, you know, all the colonialism. Yeah. And the destruction of, you know, oral tradition and records. And pfft. thanks, Cortez. A fun story. When I was... Uh, 10, 11, uh, my very Roman Catholic school did a play about Our Lady of Guadalupe. There were no people of color in the entire school. I just want to like throw oh, that no, out there. No, as context. Of course. Um Of course not. And they, there was like a prologue where they very much made Cortez out to be like this savior who brought Christianity to the people. Brought civilization too. Yes. Uh, because the uncivilized natives. It started with a scene where. The an Aztec like king was going to sacrifice some ladies, me being one of them, and then Cortez showed up and saved us. And I didn't know because, like, you know, I was a child, like I was at school, I was learning. Like this is is how the narrative you were being fed that we were all fed. Yeah, and like my mom and grandma weren't sitting in on rehearsals, Uh, so my grandma saw it and very adamantly explained to me that that is not how it happened, and also complained to the school. Good on your grandma. She is an amazing lady. And this was like mid-90s. <laughs> uh, this would have been early 2000s, like late 90s. Oh, okay. um, yeah. She Still. Was, she, yeah, she was not fucking having it. So that's how I learned what Cortez did. Good on your grandma. Yeah. What a hero. And that wasn't the first time I'd played a Mexican peasant in a, in a school play. Maybe sit in on rehearsals for your kids' school plays, just to be sure. Just in case maybe read through the script they bring home oh yeah so yeah the origin is is very hard to pin down um culinarily the term taco probably started being used around the 18th century but the concept existed long before the spanish ever sent their grubby ass boots on mexican soil like we've mentioned and of course as soon as they did they decided to start being racist yeah as you do Yeah. So the foods of the natives were considered low-class, particularly corn and corn products, as it was closely associated with the gods. And the colonizers much preferred wheat as their grain of choice due to the fact that it's what they had back at home and what the Catholic communion wafers were made from. It is stupid. It's stupid. It's just... (laughs) It would be so much easier, like, just things in general would be so much easier if we didn't feel the need to be elitist pieces of shit over which grains people were eating. Literally, like that's the grain they had available to exactly. them. Exactly, it's what fucking grew there, and they associated with the gods because that's what fucking grew there. <sighs> just people are constantly the worst. Yes. Uh, so Chacos, The reason we're here. <laughs> Who would have thought that this would turn into an episode where we just get angry about colonialism? <laughs> I knew, I knew it would when I came in because I. I obviously feel very strongly about what we did to, like, the indigenous people of America. But, like, due to that story that I just told about my grandma, like, I knew that the Spaniards fucked Mexico up, like, way more than I, I knew really about how the settlers fucked America up, if that makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. like, that just had never come up. Like, I had an idea of it. But, yeah, yes, like, it's one of those things that I have always felt very, very, very strongly about. <laughs> so, yeah, I knew what I was getting into when i started this but i didn't really put together that the settlers didn't like corn because it wasn't wheat it wasn't what communion wafers were made out of like that just never connected just, yeah an extra level of bullshit anyways on top of all the other dumb horrible things oh yeah no there's yeah perpetrated so in mexico the word taco is a generic term kind of like the english word sandwich okay a taco is a tortilla wrapped around a filling. And like a sandwich, the filling can be made with almost anything and prepared in many different ways, depending on what region you're in. People have technically been eating tacos for as long as there have been tortillas. However, the word taco, to describe that food, is new. Err, Yeah, to have it as like a specific thing. Kind of like how people were eating stuff on flatbread in Italy for a long time, but the word pizza didn't come about for a while. Yeah, it wasn't a concept necessarily, and we'll get into it later. But like, you can just put shit in a in a tortilla and call it a taco, and that's fine. But there are like very specific kinds of tacos that have to be prepared in specific ways. Kind of like we have very specific sandwiches that have to be prepared in specific ways. Right, like you can't throw turkey on t- between two pieces of bread and call it a Reuben. No, exactly. There's definitions that must be met. In the first Mexican cookbook, El Cocinero Mexicano, um, which was published in 1831, uh, there were recipes for tamales and quesadillas, but no tacos. That's fairly recent, then. Yes, the first in the time, grand scheme of we literally started at like 1500 BCE. Yeah, the first time the word tacos appears in print in Mexico is in reference to a food in the 1891 novel. Los Bandidos de Río Frio by Manuel Pino. In the book, a group of indigenous people are dancing in honor of the Virgin de Guadalupe and feasting on tacos filled with fried goat. This led to the word being introduced to Mexican dictionaries a few, li- few years later in 1895. Uh, before that, the use of the word taco in reference to food varies. Some cite that it comes from the Nahuatl word used for a dish similar to tacos. I can't pronounce this word. I'm sorry. <laughs> Spell it out. I just want to hear how many letters are in it. Q-U-A-U-H-T-A-Q-U-A-L-L-I. No. No. I'm sorry. I'm just not that good. Well, the Spanish couldn't pronounce it either, so they used the word taquali, <laughs> and with time it became taco. And others believe it's derived from the word talaco and tacal, which are other Aztec words. And another theory put forth by... Uh, Jeffrey Pilcher, who I quoted earlier, is that the word dates back to the 18th century and came from the Real del Monte, a silver mine north of Mexico City, where taco referred to the explosive charge miners used to excavate the ore. They were pieces of paper wrapped around gunpowder and inserted into holes carved in the rock. (laughs) So they look like little taquitos. That's so cute. The word was derived from the use of powder charge for a firearm and the word's general meaning of plug. So taco in Spanish also means, like, plug or wedge, I believe. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. So the Mexican War of Independence and other civil wars and economic unrest impacted the silver mines very hard, which forced many of the workers to migrate in search of work. And unemployed miners brought their tacos to Mexico City, where other city workers found the miners' tacos very portable and Convenient for lunch. Yeah. Uh, One clue that supports this minor theory comes from an early visual record of the taco. One of the first photographs of the tacos from the 1920s and shows a woman selling uh, tacos sudados to a group of paper boys. Taco sudados means (laughs) sweaty tacos. Delicious. So, I'll explain why. Uh, The tacos were made by frying corn tortillas briefly and then filling them with potatoes and salsa. And... They were kept warm in their own little steam basket. Uh, Later, they were called Tacos de Canasta, or again, Tacos Sudados, but the original name for the tacos was Tacos de minero, a common phrase among the taco stands in Mexico City in the early 20th century. So, they were called Miner's Tacos. Oh, yeah. That's who's eating them. Yes. Uh, Tacos de Canasta is something that I very much like to try. There's a whole episode on it in the Taco Chronicles. There is a I believe they are, like, a non-binary person. There's a word for it that they use, but I can't remember it. But they dress up all pretty, get their basket tacos ready, and then go out and, like, sell them. And they're great. It's amazing. That sounds awesome. Now that we have the taco, we're in about the 1920s. Um, So from here, we have different regions coming up with their own literally spicy takes on the taco and different cooking methods being employed to create specific varieties of taco fillings. So I'm going to I'm gonna go over a couple of those. Not all of them, because there are a lot of different kinds of tacos, because there are a lot of different regions of Mexico. We're not covering every single taco that anyone has ever made, ever? Nope. <laughs> we'll start with uh, tacos el pastor, or shepherd-style tacos. They're made from pork, and the meat is marinated in a blend of chilies and spices and then slow-close cooked on a trompo, which is one of those, like, spinny piles of meat that you see at shawarma places. Oh, yeah. Um, Because this style is actually heavily influenced by uh, Arab immigrants. So they cook it on that over an open flame, and then it's usually topped with a pineapple salsa. Ooh, yum. I know. I'm here for that. And then we have uh, barbacoa, which, do you remember? It would have been in the early to mid-2000s, I think. And I think it was Taco Bell did a commercial or it was literally just a hot woman saying the word barbacoa all sexy for, like, the 30 seconds of the commercial? No. God, I feel like I just dreamed this. <laughs> this is like a fever dream. <laughs> 14-year-old Emily. Like, it, might, it it felt like one of those Carl's Jr. ads where, like, the lady was on the, the car, like, eating a burger all sexy. But with tacos. But with tacos and just the word barbacoa. Just makes me think of when Quiznos did the sponge monkeys. What? What you never the you know the quiz notes commercials that had the weird they were almost like chinchilla things with the big eyes and the top hats and they sang the song? Nope. We didn't do (laughs) a lot of quiz notes around here, like that wasn't a big Oh that might be so yeah, so it's I'll send you this after the show or after we record. But it, it it's a really bizarre fucking weird commercial. But the whole point of it it was like one of those things that was first like co opting like an internet meme and of course I was the only person, like, I knew who was really online at the time, and I had, like, seen the meme before, and I was like, oh, it's the Sponge Monkeys. And everyone else in the world was just like, what in God's name are they putting on television? Sponge Monkey sounds like it's racist for something that I can't put my finger on. I I see what you mean. It's, I mean, who knows, but. (laughs) It probably isn't, or it might be, I don't know. God. Anyway, Barbacoa. There's definitely people out there who know what I'm talking about, and yeah. Anyway, going about ta- what about tacos? Yeah. So traditionally, barbacoa ref- refers to the style of cooking meat by the Taino uh, people of the Caribbean or Caribbean. I'm still not clear which one's correct. Caribbean. Caribbean. We just do pirate-based, or? Yes. I'm basing that entirely off of the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it sounds weird if you say Pirates of the Caribbean, but it also sounds weird if you say, like, I took a Caribbean cruise. I feel like it does, I might be wrong, but it does matter, like, the way you're using it. Like, as a noun, it is the Caribbean, but if you use it as an ad- adjective, like, the Caribbean islands. Okay. You know? Maybe? Yeah. No, I mean, that I does. could be wrong about that and it could just be Caribbean. But if you know, please <laughs> contact us. <laughs> we this could been, Google this, but we won't. Um, so in Mexico, barbaco refers to slow cooking over an open flame or in a hole dug in the ground um, until the meat is tender. In northern Mexico and in South Texas's Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley, I almost said Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley. You are American. Uh, Uh, beef head or beef cheeks or goat is often used i know beef Beef cheeks cheeks. (laughs) i knew you were gonna laugh when i wrote it it's just funny it's a it's a funny pair of words (laughs) sounds like a a pet name (laughs) come over here beef cheeks oh i'm gonna start calling you beef cheeks beef cheeks does also sound like a good alternate word for butt (laughs) i mean yeah like i got hit right in the beef cheeks I don't like uh, that I said that either. There's like an 80% chance uh, the quote for this is just going to be beef cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. The next paragraph has a, has a word that I am like very positive I know how to pronounce. <laughs> beef cheeks? No. So our next taco type is Berea, which comes from Guadalajara. That's the word. Uh, in the western Mexico state of Jalisco. Or Jalisco? Jalisco. I, I I don't know. It's spelled Jalisco, but I know enough to Jalisco. Uh, it comes in the form of a spicy meat stew, usually prepared with goat that's marinated in a chili-based broth. Berea street vendors are common all over the region, and uh, they are often served during weddings or other special occasions. Because it's honestly kind of a pain in the ass to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also get it in the form of tacos as a more casual food. Surrounding states like Moaxaca, parts of Durango, and Zacatecas, which specialize in burrilla uh, des res, or beef, uh, also make variations of the dish. It's basically like meat that's been slow-cooked in a broth, and then you serve the broth with the taco. Okay. Kind of like a Mexican French dip. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite sandwiches. <laughs> I'm just going to do an episode about sandwiches that's me listing my top ten best sandwiches. And then we'll devolve into, like, a 10-minute argument over whether or not hot dogs are sandwiches. They're not sandwiches. They're their own category. Looks like we're having this conversation now. <laughs> I don't disagree, actually. Okay. Because I feel like, because you can have, like, a brat or a hot dog on its own without the bun. Yeah. But, like, you couldn't have, like, I mean, you could have a taco without, like, the tortilla, but the, the, the base kind of matters. Yeah, I mean, I guess in all technicality... A sandwich is just something between bread, but it's kind of like the tomato is technically a fruit, but it's a fucking vegetable. Like you can be scientific and like technical about it all you want. A hot dog is not a fucking sandwich. Determined. That's Done. that's the final word on that. That's we've solved it. Everybody, move on. Tacos are also not a sandwich. Um. All right. So uh, this one, a lot of people might recognize carnitas. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's Probably because fr- of Taco Bell. Yep. Uh, it's from the state of Mohaca. Uh Carnitas literally means little meat. Aw. Uh, carnitas is made with shredded pork shoulder that's braised or simmered for several hours in its own fat until so tender that the meat falls apart. Mmm, that sounds so good. If done the right way, the shredded meat bits come out with slightly crispy ends. <sighs> mm hmm. I want a taco. And I guess it should be noted that a lot of these are served with like regional variations of different salsas, which are usually like a lot of chili peppers. You can get a little cheese crumbled on there. Cojita cheese is very good on it, mm, yep, sometimes just pickled onions, which sounds gross, like does but when you like pickle vegetables, it makes them sweet, yeah, right, yeah yeah, Because uh, with onions the the vinegar kind of takes out some of the uh more offensive, kind of sulfury flavors in the onion. So you can eat it raw without it being the worst. Well, all onions are the worst, but... <laughs> I forgot you're one of those people. Yeah. So the last one we're going to talk about is uh, conchinita pibil. Or pibil? Yeah, there we go. Pibil. It sounds horrible when I say it in my voice. I bet it sounds beautiful if you say it correctly. It does. It really does. It sounds delicious. Uh, so in the south of Mexico from the Icatan Peninsula... A continita pibil is the taco of choice. So instead of beef, a suckling pig is marinated with many of the region's citrus juices, such as bitter oranges, lemons, limes, eh, or vinegar. Goddamn. And the pig is usually seasoned with annatto seed, giving it, like, a burnt orange color. And then it's wrapped in banana leaves and slow-roasted. These, these are some serious fucking tacos. You need to watch the Taco Chronicles. Like, I, I we've watched the series uh two times three times for the first season do you just just question, just a question do you mm. get high when you watch it oh yes <laughs> okay that that clears some things up <laughs> sometimes you just want to like hear someone speak spanish and like look at tacos but it is very informative i did rewatch the entire series ahead of this episode so i do my research those are types of tacos in mexico but we still have a lot of ground to cover because we need to talk about how tacos came to america and we were subsequently ruined. I mean, I, I love a good shitty taco, but... Yeah. It just, it doesn't touch, um, you know, traditionally made taco. And I am very lucky to live on the West Coast, uh, where we can get good tacos. So, in the early 1900s, Mexican immigrants arrived to the United States to work in the mines, on the railroads, and, you know, all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, and they brought along their recipes, including tacos so in the united states mexican food was seen as street food, lower class food, blah blah blah, racism. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yep. Uh it was associated with and this is cool, if you take the racism out, just keep that one in mind. So, mexican street food was associated with a group of women called the chili queens who had uh, tamale pushcarts in Los Angeles. And I don't know if you guys, I don't know if this is just a uniquely like west coast thing, but tamale ladies, ladies who are like, sometimes they'll come to construction sites, or sometimes they'll be sitting outside the Trader Joe's with just, like, a big cooler full of homemade tamales. No. Oh, wow. I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah. It um, sounds great. It is. It's great. Because it's the best fucking tamales you'll ever have, and they're super cheap, because tamales are actually not that expensive to make. They're just very labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. I fucking love tamales. <laughs> so, these chili queens had tamale carts in Los Angeles, and the chili queens of San Antonio were street vendors who earned a little extra money by selling food during festivals. And when tourists started arriving in the 1880s with the railroad, these occasional sales started to become a nightly event. Uh, so tourists came for two things. They came to San Antonio for two things. The Alamo and Go the Chili Queens. Yeah, I bet you forgot about the fucking Alamo. You can't forget about the Alamo. You have to remember the Alamo. That's the rule. Someday we'll do a mini on the Alamo because I'm not going to lie to you. Not super clear on what that's all about. Um, so Mexico was considered a dangerous place, and to be honest, we still think it is now. So the Chile Queens were a way of quote sampling that danger without the risk of having to actually go to Mexico. You can join the thing without actually having to partake in exactly. the real culture. Yeah. Yes. Um. You can you can pick and choose what little pieces you want. So the the quote unquote risk. Was that the food was spicy. This this checks out as a Midwesterner, Westerner, yes. Big risk. Uh, people described it as, quote, biting like a serpent. And to make matters worse, these women were also sexualized and seen as, quote, unquote, available. So the idea was that you would eat tamales and flirt with the Chili Queens. Yeah, yeah, that also sounds... Honestly, like, the concept of hot ladies selling me tamales is fucking great. It's just, <laughs> you know white dudes in the 1800s ruined it Yep. so with the children of Mexican immigrants starting to advance economically and gain their citizenship and whatnots they opened restaurants around the, the country which was great and uh, uh Glen Bell did not in- invent the, the crispy taco shell it was Mexican Americans big surprise uh, Tacos Dorados or fried tacos became popular in the 40s and appeared in Mexican cookbooks and restaurants from that point the actual process of frying the tortillas was a pain in the ass, since the cook had to maneuver the tortilla in the hot oil and get it crisp while making it into a U-shape. It's a whole fucking thing. Uh, one restaurant owner decided to take matters into his own hands and invented a contraption to prevent his cooks from scalding themselves. A, a good advancement. Wavencio Maldonado. My apologies if I pronounced that wrong a mexican immigrant and owner of a mexican restaurant in new york city was the first person to patent this device for frying tortillas um it's a crazy looking thing i'll make sure to put a picture of it in the slideshow it's like a big wooden like it looks like a torture device mm-hmm. um he filed his patent in 1947 and was awarded it in 1950 like i said long before glenn bell opened the first taco bell mexican americans were making and selling fresh, crispy tacos. And in fact, Bell stole the idea from a Mexican restaurant across the street from his hamburger and hot dog stand in San Bernardino, California in 1950. Just, It's so typical. <laughs> he frequented the restaurant, ordered the tacos a freshly fried corn tortilla filled with ground beef and topped with shredded cheese countless times in order to replicate them late at night after closing his stand. I think at one point he got the owner of the restaurant to let him go in the kitchen and see how they were made. Glenn Bell was a dick. Yeah, that's rude. So like you hire, you hire. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say no. You don't need to like hire them. Like let them have their own business. But like if you really value what they're doing, hire them. Exactly, pay them money instead of stealing their idea. It looks like someone wasn't thinking as far outside the bun as we have been led to believe, Sarah. (laughs) He was very much in the bun. Uh, So, in December 1951, Bell debuted his tacos at his burger stands. They consisted of pre-fried taco shells, ground beef, chopped lettuce, shredded cheese, and a chili sauce Bell used from the same, uh, like, condiment that he used on his chili dogs. Bell is famously quoted as saying, I didn't invent the taco, but I believe I improved it. Really? Yeah. Really? He did not. He did not. Just zero irony there. Zero (laughs) self-awareness. Zero self-awareness, Yeah. God. Oh, man. Uh, When I was looking up the recipe for that whipped coffee today, apparently some white lady opened up a place called, like, Something Whipped Drinks and, like, tried to take credit for inventing whipped coffee and people were just immediately up her ass. Like, oh, Korean trends don't exist anymore. That's cool. Like, you can't colonize coffee, you dumb bitch. (laughs) So, needless to say, we haven't quite grown past that move. No. I think the same thing happened in Portland. Like two white ladies went to Mexico and like learned how to make tortillas, and then popped up back to Portland and were like, "We're going to make a place where we make the best tortillas." Completely ignoring that there are many places in Portland where Mexican Americans were already making dope ass tortillas. All right. So after Glenn Bell did this dumb shit in the mid 1950s, he opened a place called Taco Tia or. Taco (laughs) Ant. Over the next few years, Bell owned and operated a number of restaurants in Southern California, including four called El Taco. At this time, Los Angeles was racially segregated, and the tacos sold at Bell's restaurants were many white Americans' first introduction to Mexican food. Of course. I think they mean Tacos. Tacos. So, Kermit Becky, the best name, (laughs) Permit Becky, a former Los Angeles police officer, bought the first Taco Bell franchise from Glen Bell in 1964 and located it in Torrance, California. The company grew rapidly and by 1967, the 100th restaurant opened in Anaheim. In 1968, the first franchise location east of the Mississippi River opened in Springfield, Ohio, which means that like I mean there were probably tacos in the Midwest before that point cuz Obviously, but yeah, because there were Mexican immigrants there too. Yeah. But presumably Mexican food didn't become a thing in the Midwest until the late 60s because no, yeah. I can tell you, yeah, that our whole concept of tacos here is still like the crispy, this is the Taco Bell taco. Except so we have Taco John's, which is like knockoff Taco Bell. <laughs> we had Taco Time and Taco Bell where I grew up, but Taco Time was definitely the thing. And yeah, like, I don't think I had a real taco until I went to California as a kid. Because mm-hmm. it's just been, you know, in the last, like, 10, 15 years that we've... I feel like they've, like, it's been, at least <laughs> for most white Americans, tacos have become more popular. Like, real, the uh, the more authentic tacos have become, like, a thing in the yeah. last even five years. Yeah. So now with Bell's series of restaurants, white Americans were beginning to learn... That Mexican food was not so scary after all. <laughs> and we, the white Americans, began coming up with our own take on tacos beyond whatever Belle was doing. And I just, I do want to state for the record that I don't have anything against crunchy American tacos. No, they're good. Yeah, they're great. I mean, Taco Bell when you're drunk is one of the best things ever. It's it's just like a step below a McChicken and fries. Um, but that being said, I, I do think we need to be honest about where the crunchy american taco came from so Mm -hmm. john bell didn't invent the crunchy american taco tacos dorados was a thing that mexican immigrants were making long before john bell they have been making them long after and he just co-opted the idea and slapped his name on it literally men tend to do yep um so there are three like american style tacos that i wanted to talk about um the first being indian tacos or navajo tacos which are made using fry bread, which is a kind of Native American flatbread. I'm not 100% on what goes into fry bread, which is very easy for me to check because I'm picturing kind of like an elephant ear situation. Yeah, it's like it's a basic flour, leavening, salt, milk, dough. That's the usual. Yeah, Yeah, you fry it. Yeah. Um, So Navajo tacos are made using fry bread instead of tortillas. And they are commonly eaten at powwows, festivals, and other gatherings by and for indigenous people in the United States and Canada. But this kind of taco is not known to have been present before the arrival of Europeans in what is now the southwestern United States. So Navajo tradition indicates that fry bread came into use in the 1860s when the government forced the Navajos to relocate from their homeland in Arizona in a journey known as the Long Walk of the Navajo. Which is a whole thing to itself. Just another one of the terrible things we've done. Um, And it was made from ingredients given to them by the government to supplement their diet since the region could not support growing the agricultural products that they had been using. Christ. Yeah. Basically, fry bread came about the same way that flour tortillas came about, except just a little more forced. Yeah. Um, And that's also kind of why we had, um, why we have uh, wheat noodles coming out of Asia, Mm. is because when... The Americans came over and fucked some shit up, I believe, during World War II. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody. But we brought wheat over, and we were like, all right, we'll give these people wheat. They'll make bread. They'll be fine. And they were like, we don't fucking eat bread. And they made noodles instead. So that's kind of our move. Yeah. That tracks for just the course of human history. This episode is kind of a bummer. <laughs> Colonialism sucks. And we have a lot of work to do. So, yeah, that's the that's a Navajo taco. Um that brings us to our next variation. Um, since at least 1978, a variation called the puffy taco has been popular in Texas. Henry's Puffy Tacos, opened by Henry Lopez in San Antonio, claims to have invented the variation in which uncooked corn tortillas, so flattened balls of masa, are quickly fried in hot oil until they expand and become puffy. Because tacos, the masa is usually grilled, not fried. Mm-hmm. Um, when you fry it, the the water in the the dough turns into steam, it causes it to puff. Science, magic, yeah. They fry them until they become puffy, and then the fillings are similar to your hard shell tacos. Um, restaurants offering the style of taco have since appeared in other Texas cities as well as California, where Henry's brother Arturo Lopez opened Arturo's Puffy Tacos in Whittier, California. Henry's is still open, and it's managed by the family's second generation. I want one of those too. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So that's. What we got in America. Now, in the early 2000s, the French decided to try their hand at quote-unquote tacos. Oh, dear. According to a Moroccan magazine, in the mid-2000s, Moroccan-born brothers Abdel Hadi and Mohamed Morbarek were running a, a kebab shop in Savoy, and they invented something called the French taco, allegedly. We'll talk about what's in the French taco in a second. Um, the origin is also credited to Mohamed... Sal Hui, who is um, the founder of the chain Tacos Avenue, formerly Tacos King. So, what is a French taco? I'm sure you're wondering. I am deeply, deeply curious. Well, it usually consists of a flour tortilla, grilled and folded around a filling of French fries, cheese, and meat, among other deli ingredients. Yeah, i beat that. It's not a taco. No, but it sounds great. <laughs> if anything, it's a crunch wrap that got too confident. It almost, it feels more like, not, not quite. I was going to say like, uh, uh, fuck. What's the, it's a crunch wrap that studied abroad for one term. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, them's the tacos. Um, any questions? I'm starving. I want tacos so badly. I might have to go get some tacos tomorrow night. I mean, I can give you a recipe for some corn tortillas, but tacos really, you put what you feel in your heart in them. Tacos are, yeah, about what's inside. I like a nice chorizo uh, taco, but yeah, that's, that's tacos, tortillas. If you ever have the chance to try like authentic tacos, like please do. Cause like I said, crunchy tacos are pretty good, but just a corn tortilla around some hot meat with just a little bit of salsa on top. Perfect. Well, I hope you guys have learned something. I've learned a lot. That's good. And I know I am your target audience. You are. I mean, actually, you are right smack in the middle of our demographic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if you would like to correct any of my pronunciations, (laughs) which I fully understand, we are on Instagram at Afternoonified, Twitter at Afternoonified. You can send us an email at Afternoonified.com, where you can also buy merch. You can donate. Uh, All merch proceeds are still going to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and we'll continue to, I believe, until things start. Yep. Getting better. Yep. Christ. Um Yeah, just know that your sticker purchase is going towards a good cause. Uh, what else? Uh, remember to... I keep saying rate, subscribe, and review. Rate, review, subscribe. Well, no. Um, right. Nope. I had, like, a joke that I was working. Like, it was a bit, and I think I might have missed the mark. Anyway, so you can do that stuff, too. <laughs> Please. We'd love it. I've been inhaling smoke fumes from my stove all afternoon so i'm not yeah that uh self-cleaner stuff is a oof oh no it wasn't even self-cleaner i just did the self-clean cycle on the thing where it just like burns it all off well travis was making uh chorizo and pepper hand pies and like chorizo grease leaked into the bottom of the oven well it wasn't good no that, that never never ends well grease and heat together generally speaking nah nope all right, guys. <laughs> goodbye. With that said, on that lesson, goodbye. <laughs> we love you. I'm going to need you all to roll plus charm to do the ad. That's a five. I got a ten. All right, Travis. Buddy can manage to get out the name of the show, but not much else. Monster Pod! Sadie, Jimmy is going to be able to get out the premise, but you didn't roll high enough for any spoilers. Monster Pod is a real play Monster of the Week podcast where four government-employed idiots try to save the world. Sarah, Thomason rolled high enough to finish the ad. Releases every other Friday here on So Below Media. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This this is as above so below